Coming to you from the Black Swan Media Studios, this is Fireside Chats, talking to the real difference makers in the world. Now, here is your host, John Crump. Hi, everyone. It looks like my counters aren't working again, so I can't see how many of you guys are out there because they're all wacky. Uh, My name is John Crump. I am the state director for the state of Virginia for Gun Owners of America, and I am also a journalist for MLN.com. I have a really, really big story dropping at 6.30. I'll give you guys a little print, a hint. Uh, but before we do that, I uh, just want to let you know my Super Chats are on. You can also join my Patreon crew, the, the Crumpy Militia, at patreon.com slash John Crump. All proceeds go to help my niece, Bella. We are also sponsored by Black Swan Tactical. Everything you buy at Black Swan Tactical goes to help Bella, and you can buy my book at uh, crumpy.com slash giants. And remember, $25 gets you a signed book. $5 gets you an awesome uh Crumpy Militia patch. Now, I am big into technology, as you all might know. Hi, Guns Barbecue. Hi, Nick. Hi, Chris. Hi, Gun Rope Sites. And hi, Gorillas and Guns and whoever else is out there. I'm big into technology. I'm big into crypto. I have a lot of crypto, and I think that's the way that things are going. I got a story coming out about crypto and you've crypto to buy uh, NFA items. That was going to drop today, but now uh, the ATF leaks, so ATF leaks takes precedent. But yeah, there is a uh, another crypto comp- company out there that has a gun-friendly crypto. What does that mean? We're, we will find out in a second. But uh, let me bring him on. He will be on Hank Strange tomorrow, too. His name is Ron McNeely, the co-founder of Tusk. What's going on, John? Uh, not much, man. I've been talking to you for like a while. <laughs> Haven't been more than a year now. Yeah, yeah. When I first got aware of Tusk, it was about a, a little bit over a year ago. Uh, thirteen months, I believe it was October third of twenty nineteen that we actually talked. It's been a while for sure, um, but that sounds about right. Yeah, it's it's it is right. I my memory is like I don't know. Better than mine. (laughs) I have all sorts of uh, crazy stuff going on up there. Uh, So you are the founder of Tusk. But before we get into that, I do want to give everyone a little hint of what's coming up at 630. Um, And if you follow me on Instagram or Twitter or anything like that, you probably seen a picture. I'm going to bring up the picture here. Just give me a second here. Bring up the picture. Sorry. I should have had this ready. I accidentally shut it down. <laughs> but it's a picture of Regina Lombardo. And also, Regina Lombardo is head of the ATF. And Marvin Richardson is the uh, second in command at the ATF. They're both the acting positions. But here's the thing. They're not supposed to be talking to the Biden campaign or the Biden transition team because nothing's been settled yet. But yet they are. And here is the crazy thing about it. Let's see if I can pull up the picture. What they are talking about is what the ATF wants to accomplish. The Biden transition team asked them, hey, what what do you want to accomplish? Their two main goals was, number one, to reclassify pistol braces. So if you have a pistol brace, they are looking to ban it when Biden gets in. They've been wanting to do this for a couple of years now, but they haven't had the political capital. Number two, what they want to do is ban 80% lower receivers. And I'm going to go ahead and drop the banner so I can put this picture up. Actually, that works out pretty good. <laughs> That is the picture from today. That's um, Marvin Richardson on uh, your right, and the woman is Regina Lombardo. Uh, so who is, are who who are these two people? If for those of us who aren't uh, uh, knowledgeable about the yeah, Regina Lombardo is the acting director of the ATF, and Marvin Richardson is the acting assistant director from the ATF. 
Remember, Trump never got uh, any ATF people in there. So those are the two acting people. So, there so is it is is it technically legal for them to be talking with the transition team or just out of protocol? Uh, it's out of protocol, definitely. Um, I'm not sure if uh, it's legal or not. From what I'm hearing from people associated with the White House, it's not legal because uh, the White House haven't officially, once the White House officially acknowledges, hey, this is going to be the president-elect, and they give them offices, then they can talk to people. So we will but that's Trump's lawyer, so I don't know if they're if it's hyperbole or if actually is illegal. But it's definitely out of protocol. And but now we know what they're gonna do. I've been saying that for like over a year now that hey, if if Biden gets in a river runs for the Democrats get in, that they're gonna go after pistol braces and eighty percent lowered. Um is is there any number out there on how many actual eighty percent lowers are in the wild? Does anyone even know? I don't think anyone really knows. I know pistol braces are around 5 million. But 80% lower, I don't know. Uh, I don't think anybody really knows. I might or might not have a Ghost Gunner 3 and a Ghost Gunner 2. Actually, so I, I guess the... See, it's one thing with bump stocks. What they say? There was like about a half million bump stocks out there. Yeah. Um, but this is 10 times that amount, probably. And I would bet maybe more. <laughs> yeah. But so I guess the question is, what are they going to do with all those? Uh, you know, a lot of those pistol braces aren't ex aren't cheap either. You know, like the Maxims or the SB Tacticals. Those, you know, can be up to 500 bucks, you know, depending on, you know, what kind of buffers you get with those things. Yeah. Well, they telegraphed everything. <laughs> and I think they did that on purpose. I think uh, it was to try to create a rift between Trump and the gun owners. Um the interesting thing about these two guys is they're on waivers. They already passed mandatory retirement age. So they've been in there for more than 30 years, which is the mandatory re retirement. But they give them waivers. So it'd be very easy for Trump just to pull the waivers for Regina and Marvin and have them both gone. Right. But that, but that doesn't change the fact that the new administration, if it is the Biden, you know, they're going to throw whoever they want that's going to do their bidding in there anyways and probably push the same agenda. Well, here's the thing. If you get rid of enough of them and you have the Senate to block all confirmations on new ATF heads, that might work. But now these guys are both, both Regina Lombardo and Marvin Richardson are both really, really anti-gun. So who put them in office? Uh, they came in under uh, Obama. So the Obama so, holders. I always wonder, you know, I, I, you know, I've never been a fan of guns or Trump's gun policy, and it always made me wonder why they didn't decide to uh, put in their own people in ATF and make some changes, especially in the first, you know, first term. Well, or, they, they, you know, tried. they tried. They didn't get it confirmed. They would. They wouldn't get confirmed. Um, uh, some of the people that he chose aren't really good gun people, though. Yeah, I don't know mm. how much of a difference it would have made. Uh, the first guy they tried to put in there got rejected because he was, he was pretty anti-gun. And uh, the interesting thing was, um, he never tried to get another person in there. Yeah, so like, uh, they're not happy with the way the administration's been with the gun industry and the gun world, but that's that's a different discussion, I'm sure. Um, but I can't imagine that Biden it will will. I think we all know that Biden will be worse, and we all know that you know Kamala is, uh, you know, she's certainly talking about flexing her muscles on you know once she gets into the office because I I don't think very many people think that Biden will make it through his first term. Uh, regardless. So I always look at what's Kamala going to do if she gets those reins of power. Uh, and she's already said that she would leverage every part of the executive, even when she was still running for president herself. She, you know, absolutely was saying that she'll use the executive office to do whatever she could against guns. So I take that. I take people who make threats like that seriously. But she also wrote an amicus brief saying that the individual doesn't have a right to bear arms. But there yeah, is that too. Well, it's interesting when people go to law school and then flunk Constitution 101. 
Yeah. Uh, I see Swamp Dog Armory out there. Uh, Swamp Dog Armory built a really, really cool. Um, What'd they I'll, do? I'll, I'll show you. Now that you've asked, I will bring I'm asking. Up, I'll bring up the auction. My niece, Bella, has uh, brain cancer. I'm sorry. So they built a bullpup, a one-of-a-kind bullpup, and we're, they're auctioning it off with all everything going to Bella. And right now it's at $2,000. What kind of, what's that based on? Uh, it's actually a high point nine millimeter carbine. And they bullpupped it. And uh, let me just see if I can get it over here. I'm going to try to like, like, and they, um, it's a Mandalorian themed. That's pretty. Yeah. So it's all Mandalorian. It says, this is the way in Mandalorian, which is kind of crazy. That's really cool. And on this side. Uh, yeah. So uh, on the case, I think it says this is the way of well. Yeah. They, and it says in English on this side, in case you can't read Mandalorian. I'm not up on it, to be honest. Yeah. So I'm better, with, I'm better with Klingon. Uh, of course. Klingon. I never heard that you spoke Klingon. What's that? I had a friend that spoke Klingon. Banwiji Chilar, right? I have no idea what you just said. Me neither, but I heard it on a Klingon show once on Star Trek. So, Yeah, but he actually learned freaking Klingon, and there's people that actually do that crap. And they it's have like a real language. Like, seriously, yeah. they got like dictionaries and stuff and cosplayers like get into it. And I was like, OK, it's like it's like pig Latin on steroids or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's crazy. They have big conversations. I'm sitting there like, what language are you guys speaking of? Like, Klingon? Like, that's an actual freaking language. How well, much you know, there's always there's always that one guy, right? Yeah, it's like, why don't you learn a real language? Something that you want to freaking cling on. Like, I, I can think of myself as a sci-fi nerd, and then I see those guys, and I'm like, yeah, they, I got nothing on those guys. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's get into Tusk. Let's. That's, that's what we have you here for. Sorry, you just came on on the day that <laughs> it was a freaking story. Things are a little crazy now, though. So, I mean, I, I understand. I mean, it's 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 been a little... I think lately just a little chaotic and a little emotional for everybody, even on both sides of this, it's just been crazy. And uh, I mean, I'm an old man now, so it's like seeing some of this stuff happening and I'm just like, this is all new for me. And I thought I've seen a lot of things politically in my lifetime, but um, apparently not. Uh, the story has broken. They've actually launched the story. I put it in there. The story is up. Or anyone out there that wants to know, yeah, man, it's it's like freaking, in, it's like insane what's going on. But let's let's get into Tusk. What is Tusk? Um, Tusk is uh, Tusk stands for the Universal Settlement Coin, and Tusk is a decentralized um, project. It's a cryptocurrency project designed to help facilitate payments, kind of like Bitcoin. Um, but we were tailor built for the gun industry. All right. How was it tailored built to the gun industry? So we had the gun industry in mind when we built it. And before we ever started coding, we went out to the gun industry and started talking to manufacturers and retailers about their payments problems to learn all about their actual problems and what they kind of needed as far as uh, another payment option. And then we created it. Interesting. Interesting. What separates it from like Bitcoin? Um, Bitcoin and, and Tusk, I mean, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Bitcoin. Like Bitcoin is like the godfather, granddaddy, first, you know, first to market created crypto project. Um, and, and I love Bitcoin. I own Bitcoin. I'm a huge fan of Bitcoin. Um, but Bitcoin is more like they say digital gold. Um, Bitcoin is not really designed for small transactions or fast transactions or inexpensive transactions. So if think of Bitcoin is like, if you're going to move a whole lot of value around digitally and you're not worried about how much it's going to cost you to move that value around and you don't have to do it in a hurry, Bitcoin is perfect for that. So think of, you know, Bitcoin, if you were going to buy gold or sell gold, or if you were going to do a wire transfer, you would, Bitcoin is better for those types of operations. But because uh, the way Bitcoin is built, uh, it takes the minimum it'll take for a transaction on Bitcoin to go through is 10 minutes. 
And can you imagine someone having to wait in line at the grocery store or what have you trying to buy something that takes a minimum of 10 minutes? But then on top of that, the way the, the transaction fees in Bitcoin, um, they're not consistent. So it might cost you five cents to move amount of money today. But if it's really busy tomorrow, it might cost you five dollars to move that same amount of value around. Um, we built Tusk to be very consistent, cheap to trans, um, transact in um, and super, super fast. So uh, our block times or how fast it takes to confirm a transaction on our network takes about on average 2.6 seconds. So it's about, you know, pretty consistent with uh, credit cards. And so we wanted to make sure that when we were creating something for a retail environment, that it would function and, and fit right in, in that retail environment. Okay. So explain to people out there who don't know what crypto is, what crypto is. I forgot. Uh, I'm getting uh, some text over there. You can't see all the chats there, but people are like, well, what the hell is crypto? Like, <laughs> um, basically, think of it this way. So, if you, so, so, who you know, who knows, right? We're all new to it, really. Um, think of it this way. Right now, if you move value around on your debit and credit cards, right, and and that the denomination is still dollars. But right now, um, those are still digital transactions for the most part. Most people don't pay with things for cash anymore. Unfortunately, they don't. Um, most people use their debit and credit cards to make purchases. So those are digital transactions. Well, cryptocurrency are also digital transactions. Um, and there's a lot of similarities to how debit and credit cards work. In fact, they do have crypto-powered uh, credit cards and debit cards now too. Um, but the underlying settlement layer, um, big fancy word, but how that denomination is transacted that value is transacted isn't based in dollars it's based in something else uh, a new kind of currency that is not owned and operated by the federal government and can't be uh inflated at will by a politician in a black box in a you know back smoky room somewhere um it's controlled our our software or the network software um is is open source software so you know how, you know, the rate of inflation, you know how much it's going to cost to transact, you know all the ins and outs. So you can look on a block explorer, go to the GitHub and see exactly what are uh, the laws that govern our network are open and publicly viewable by anybody. And so uh, the basic differences is how you get in and out of crypto um, from dollars is the, the, the rough part right now, but it's still kind of early. Um, with the technology, but uh, cryptocurrencies are going to be revolutionizing how finance is done, especially over the next five or 10 years. So it's kind of like is paradigm shifting as the World Wide Web was to e-commerce circa 1997, 1998. And so it's just a new way to go out there and, and transact value. And But the thing is, it's not exploitable by politicians as easily um, or at all. Um, whereas it, you know, dollars are, um, and why we decided to focus on the gun industry is one, I'm a huge gun guy and, you know, the, the industry has been under, I would call financial attack, you know, for at least, you know, seven, eight years now, but going back to operation choke point. So a lot of gun people may not know this, but gun yeah. retailers have a very difficult time, you know, yeah conducting payments and transacting in payments. Um, and they're constantly worried about being shut down or being debanked or deplatformed by politically activist banks. Whereas if you're willing to accept payments in Tusk, uh, one, it's super cheap compared to credit cards. We're way cheaper than credit cards ever could be um, to transact in. But on top of that, we can't shut you down. If you want to accept Tusk for a payment, there's no way that I can shut you down or anyone else. So it's kind of like this insurance policy against being debanked to ensure sure that gun retailers going forward can legally transact and conduct business over the internet. Yeah, uh, that's one of the cool things about uh, crypto. For people that don't know, Operation Choke Point was an Obama era, um, era program where uh, the Obama administration made it hard and for gun industries to sub credit cards by putting them in the same level as like porn companies saying, Hey, there's a lot of chance for fraud when there's really not. And it was to choke off the payments, the payments to gun retailers. Right. So the, for instance, right now, gun retailers can't use PayPal. 
they can't use Square or Cash App or Venmo or any of these kind of third-party payment options at all, and not for legal reasons, but just because the terms of service uh, dictate that they ban and prohibit gun retailers from using them. And it's activist banks. And then on top of that, um, just getting a checking account is difficult for many gun retailers. And we're talking, you know, very heavily regulated background check, lawful gun retailers across the country can almost never get a bank account. Um, and then when they can get it, you know, there's only a few credit card companies that will cater to the gun industry. There's only a handful of them. Um, but on top of that, the fees are still high compared to other retail um, outlets. And so the, they get them coming and going uh, and really work hard to, you know, screw the whole gun retailers and the gun industry. Um, and I think going forward and in, you know, tell me if I'm being paranoid, but I would bet that if Biden does get certified and is the president-elect, I bet you one of the things you're going to see is you're going to see the financial industry go after the gun industry pretty heavily. Honestly, I do believe that you are right on there. When I bought my suppressor from Rexilium, I got a story coming out about them, and you guys are in the story as well. You made some awesome quotes for it. Um, I contacted them. I was like, why do you accept a big Bitcoin? And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, why do you accept Bitcoin? He's like, because I like Bitcoin. I'm like, no, I'm a reporter. I want to know why you decided to start to start accepting Bitcoin. And he's like, oh, okay. He's like, yeah, because I want to future proof my company because eventually all the credit card companies are going to shut us down. They got a monopoly. Yeah. Have a way for people still to purchase stuff online without having to send a physical check. And I'm like, yeah. And and one of the and one of the other benefits of like you know working with you know accepting cryptocurrency like TUS is that we're not a company, we're not a corporation, we're not an LLC. There's no owner, there's no CEO to go and shut us down. We just put out a software product. We are an open source community run project, and all the decisions about Tusk are actually done via voting. Um, and anybody who owns one tusk gets one vote. And so if you want to have, you know, become part of the community and have some say in how tusk is operated and how tusk grows, you can get yourself some tusk and then you can put in a proposals or vote on other people's proposals. Um, I mean, can you imagine, you know, how it would be if you could vote on how Wells Fargo is run. And then if you're in the, you're working with Wells Fargo as, you know, a retailer that you could vote and say, Hey, I want to make sure we don't get screwed. Um, that that's not possible, but it is possible with a crypto project like Tusk. Um, but what that means is we're decentralized and that's the it's industry jargon in the crypto world, which means that we're not a company and there's no head to chop off. Right. And, you know, Tusk is essentially what we call a protocol um, and in software terms, uh, another protocol might be like a, the HTTP in the World Wide Web. You know, the Internet is a protocol or a set of protocols. Um, and cryptocurrencies are also a set of protocols. So they're not based on politics. They're not governed and controlled by politicians. It's just individuals that get together, put out a product put out a software that other people can transact in. And just in our case, we decided to focus on solving a real world problem in the gun industry because we were founded by a bunch of gun owners. Now we have flying rich here, flying rich, my hey. favorite pilot. And, <laughs> and Hank told me, you know, a lot about cryptocurrency. Well, all right. So I, I mined Bitcoin probably about 10 years ago. And uh, I just want to say, hi, Rob, I'm going to be on with you with Hank tonight. So oh, uh, tomorrow or Thursday night. Mm, I, I thought it was tonight, unless they changed the date. No, no. no. Uh, uh, when Hank invited oh, it's me. tomorrow night. It's a, tomorrow night. Four forty-five is what I have for tomorrow. Yeah, when Hank okay. invited me on, he invited me on for Wednesday, but I can't do it. I got oh, okay. Cow. All right. So, <laughs> well, hi, Rich. <laughs> hey. Uh, so, I guess one of the questions I have for you is how many uh, mining servers are there out there for TUS? So we're not a proof of work blockchain. We're delegated proof of stake. So we do have a type of mining, but the way our network works is that we call them block producers and block mm -hmm. producers are elected to the position. So the three main consensus mechanisms for, you know, crypto products are proof of work, proof of stake, and then delegated proof of stake. We went with delegated proof of stake um, because it was fast. 
And that was the number one thing we heard from retailers and manufacturers that they wanted something that was consistently priced for transaction fees. They wanted something that was just as fast as, you know, uh, Visa or MasterCard for a retail mm -hmm. environment. Um, and they wanted the, the fees to be, you know, consistent and inexpensive. So, um, and it's hard to get that out of some of the proof of work uh, blockchain. So, and again, we made these decisions, you know, two and a half years ago. So it's, it's we've been around a little, we're a three-year-old project now. Um, but what we ended up doing is going proof of stake. So the way we have it right now, we have 21 validating block producers that are elected to the position and they get a full share of block rewards. And then what we added to our network is we incentivize standby block producers. So we also have 79 standby block producers um, that um, can fill in the blanks, so to speak, and self-heal the network if one of the main block producers go down. Um, and then those standby block producers also get a smaller piece of the block rewards just to maintain that server. So in case gotcha. there's something like the network gets attacked or, you know, several nodes go down, uh, standby block producers can immediately be um, voted in to replace them. So I, I, what kind of, oh, go, John. Sorry, uh, G-Webs has a question here from the audience. He wants to know uh, what has the response from the industry been so far? So far, it's been very, um, so we're very early um, in, in our pro project. So we launched the blockchain not even quite a year ago, just about a year ago. Um, and so this year is all about build, building relationships, building liquidity, and building infrastructure. And so COVID slowed some of that down. Um, but so far, we have four retailers in our basically our pilot um, that are accepting uh, Tusk right now. And so far, everybody's been excited about it. We've had a really good response. Um, the the people that don't, you know, we've, I mean, there's always negative people too, right? So the two, you know, objections we get are either from Bitcoin maximalists that don't like anything but Bitcoin, like, hey, uh -huh. you know, it's like, you know, you like Chevy, I like Toyota, whatever. But, um, but then there's some people that just don't understand crypto there. I think if, you know, there's a lot of people, everybody's heard of Bitcoin, right? But right. I think um, the thing that we fight the most when I have conversations and when I went to SHOT Show this year and stuff is like, I've heard of Bitcoin, but I, it sounds to me like a scam. Is it a scam kind of thing? And so those are the kind of the two objections you kind of get. Um, but most people, when you explain, I, I just, I don't try to like, you know, uh, go jingoistic, right? I tried to just say, look, half a percent transaction fee, you eliminate your chargeback risk. Um, if you're an early receiver or retailer that's willing to accept it, you're going to get some coins for your own risk. Um, and it's an insurance policy against debanking. And so, and on top of that, we're going to give you free promotion in our marketing directories and with press releases. So for the, especially for the early retailers, there's really no risk um, coming onto the network because we're trying to make that as easy as possible. Um, we're planning to do our big retailer push beginning probably second quarter, 2021. Um, we're going to have all our payment gateways um, for all the top e-commerce uh, platforms ready probably in January, fingers crossed, because we're, we're working on some things. Um, but we've had some really cool things happen lately too. So we got some partnerships that have come together. We just brought on um, two players from the New York Jets, um, Bronson and Corbin Carfusi. They are brothers that play for the Jets and they are coming on as brand ambassadors. Um, so after the season uh, in January, um, they are going to be doing some commercials for Tusk and they're both big gun guys. So, and they're both big guys on top of that. Um, <laughs> uh, like, I would imagine. <laughs> uh, no, they're like two of the biggest football players in the league right now. Like six, the one of them, six, nine, 360. I mean, they're giants, but they're gun guys and they're really awesome. Um, and, and I've talked to them a bunch of times and, and they're real excited about working with us. And then we also just uh, signed an agreement uh, with Project Hydro, which is another cryptocurrency project um, for some other infrastructure stuff because they they have a multi-coin wallet and some digital ID stuff we're looking at that I think might be useful um, with bound books and things like that for retailers. So we're working on a bunch of really big stuff in 2021. Um, but so far like i said we're pretty early now um where we are but uh we're going to be doing a lot in 2021 i'm kind of bummed that they just announced that shot show is not going to happen this year or next year um because i was looking really looking forward to that but you know we're going to be doing a bunch of other stuff regardless yeah uh, another question from gwebs he wants to know does it work between two people like or as a lot of customers of business or just customer to business uh, no. Um, so the, the what we're doing with Tusk is we're doing something that no crypto projects actually really done where we're focusing all our energy and laser focusing our marketing efforts in one industry. 
most crypto products, they don't do that. And so we're trying to do that to tailor and cater to those needs. But no, crypto, our crypto could be used for any industry and it could be used for any transfer of value from wallet to wallet, from one individual to another. Um, moving from one wallet to another, it's less than way less than a penny, <laughs> you know, just to move any amount of money um, and toss from one wallet to another. It's it's just it's just pennies, less than pennies. Um, and so it's really super cheap uh, and it's super fast. So like people who are used to like, you know, and Rich probably you're more used to, you know, proof of work blockchains like Bitcoin. You're like, oh, mm -hmm. check the mempool, see how congested it is. Look, look at my watch come back in a couple hours see if it went through ethereum come back tomorrow um right people are like do tests they're like oh it's it's already there because it is and that's because it's just two and basically our average confirmation time to confirm a transaction is 2.6 seconds right now uh that's actually so a of, really quick uh confirmation time what kind of Did hardware he... you need for the servers right now are you running uh you know top of the line gpus or Yes. So, so a lot of people are just running instances on like right now, because we forked BitShares. That was the underlying block where a graph, what they call a graphene based blockchain. So mm -hmm. our base code was the originally BitShares, but we pulled a lot of things out because we just wanted the, the payment option. We didn't want to focus on an exchange or creating, you know, smart contracts, or other digital assets. And so once we pulled a lot of that stuff out of the code, it, it really sped up. Um, right now, I know several block producers are running literally on the free tier of Amazon Web Services. That's it. And, and you could run it on any Ubuntu laptop if you want. Oh, that's crazy. And you're talking yeah. CPU or GPU? Uh, CPU. Hmm. Okay. Well, what a lot of people don't realize is uh, to mine crypto, it's a GPU intensive and it's, and it's GPU intensive on purpose. Because you don't want people like just mining like thousands and thousands of bits. What's well, the, it didn't start out that way though? No, no, I didn't. It, it was well, that wasn't the plan. Remember that that was that was like oops, we didn't plan for that. <laughs> um, it was supposed to be mined on CPUs, yeah. and then people decided, hey, we can make more money if we create some extra hardware for it and dedicated hardware, and then it went up. And so, but that's also you know that there's some legitimate criticisms of Bitcoin because of that. And and what that means is that right now, if you want to, like the average person really can't mine Bitcoin effectively um, right. because no. the the hardware needed, they have such advanced hardware now that's specialized. I mean, there's like these super well, duper the difficulty computers. is so high right. that it requires, you know, cutting edge technology. And when I started mining, I'm going to jump in just for a second. Sure. If you don't mind. When I was mining about 10 years ago, you know, near you know not quite bleeding edge but close to cutting edge uh, gpus would do it but it was actually your roi was less than the, your, your electric usage so there were times i would just stop mining because it was costing me more in electric or right. in the winter when i was mining in minnesota it was great because you're producing you know 2000 btus of heat continuously whereas in the summer it was really bad because you had to cool that so there, there's some break evens on this kind of technology because you know your end product is a cryptocurrency and heat. And I hate using the term crypto. So crypto, um, it's blockchain is realistically the right term because crypto infers something is cryptographic or you know yeah. secret. But Rich, whereas it's it's like hacker, right? A hacker was originally a programmer and now it became no so it's it's the yeah. vernacular it's it's in the it's in the vernacular now man there's no way you can back right. it up vernacular. Right. <laughs> yeah I, I think the the thing is with like proof of work blockchains is that the dedicated hardware which are called asics are you're mm -hmm. they're pretty much only made in china and the chinese yeah, you gotta government, say right say china china yeah. like the china virus and <laughs> yeah. but uh but uh, geez, we're gonna go. This is gonna go down fast. Um, <laughs> but uh, but the problem uh, with that is is that you watch my podcast. It always does. That. 
but the problem with that is that the Chinese government essentially has control over the manufacture of these specialized mining rigs for the Bitcoin blockchain. And on top of that, a lot of the hashing power in the mining pools, because the Chinese government also, you know, allows certain people to mine some of the cheapest electricity in the world in China. And so there is some centralization of the Bitcoin blockchain um, from the Chinese government. And I think that's people try to dismiss that a lot, especially Maximus. No, like I said, I'm not anti-Bitcoin, um, but it's not also perfect either. It's got its own, uh-huh. it's got its own warts. And I think you need to recognize that issue. Um, if you don't recognize it, then you can't work to fix that issue. Um, I'd love there to be some American or even European based ASIC manufacturers, for instance, that could make cheaper right. ASICs and, and start making those chips available to the U S so more people could mine Bitcoin at home. Um, but I think that's something that hopefully over time will be worked on. Yeah, and ASIC for people that don't know is application specific integrated circuit. So that's a cer- you know, basically silicon specifically designed for mining. Correct. Yeah. The reason why I went to you on here, Rich, is because sometimes when I start talking about this stuff, uh, I have an editor when I write about it, I send it to my editors over there and they and they'll come back to me and like, what the hell are you talking about here? explain it but then i had to go back and explain it but on a podcast format especially talking to rob here who's deep into it too sometimes Mm -hmm. i get lost of you know what people understand and what they don't it's community run money yeah that's what it is (laughs) it's community run not government run money and it can't be so in with bitcoin there's a uh, different forms of payment. One of the transactions is when you have a third party uh, approval. So like if maybe John and I were transacting with Bitcoin, a car that I ordered and he had delivered to me and on a on approval, then the funds would be transferred by the third party. Do you have that kind of thing in Tusk or? Not yet, but we're working on a lot of different things. So okay. some of the things that we're going to be working on is, um, so I got my developers say get cringy when I say, hey, guys, I got an idea. And we have a lot of ideas, um, but they have to be rolled out in a sequence. And so some things are more important than the others. I think as we grow, so if you look at most crypto projects out there right now, pretty much everybody just invests in them and nobody actually uses them for buying stuff. We want to be, our focus is getting people to buy stuff with crypto. And that really is our laser focus. Um, and once we have that happen and it begins to happen, um, there's, it's going to be a paradigm shift in the crypto world because no other crypto products have really have that to any high degree. And well, after how many we, alpaca socks can you buy? I don't know. I got three pairs though. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> But but here's the thing, though. So some of the things that we're looking at doing, I'd love to do is I would like to do an escrow feature. Um, I'd like the option to add privacy features later on. But right now, if you add privacy features to certain things, you won't be listed on an American exchange because right now American exchanges are prohibiting privacy related coins for the most part. Um from pressure from government. Uh, in addition, I would love to do recurring payments and subscription payments built into the uh-huh. network. And so why we're partnering with Project Hydro is they have a lot of interesting technology that we've already, we've already been doing a lot of brainstorming on what that might look like. And so they also have some features that we're looking at rolling out microloans right inside their multi-coin wallet. So people might be able to issue loans with Tusk to people in other places. So we got a lot of really cool features we're gonna work on. Um, but again, the main focus is getting a adoption first and then we have a sequence on how we're rolling out so this year it's about um this year has been about infrastructure building relationships liquidity that's working it's happening um probably still be working on some of those things and getting into the multi-coin wallet hydro probably first quarter and then we're probably going to make our really start going after and onboarding retailers that's going to be our focus probably beginning second quarter next year so it's got to happen in a sequence um you know just the kind of way things roll out i mean we think of our project even though it's not a company i like i'm an entrepreneur so i think in terms of how do you roll out a startup how do you how do you build a product and how do you market that product and and what features do you roll with when you go to market right so you know all these interesting features out there that you know other blockchains have they there's a lot of blockchains that have some of those features already but they don't have anybody using their coin yet and right. a lot of them don't even have like a strategy to get that and get people to use it they're not doing it like i go to shot show i'm the only crypto project there 
I, I went to gun rights policy conference. I was the only crypto project there. I went to NRA. I was the only crypto project guy there. Um, and so I think that, you know, that is important. And, and regardless of, you know, what crypto people think, I do believe people want to do business with people they know, like, and trust. Uh, and so I'm the guy showing up. If if people from Bitcoin were going to, you know, NRA conferences and going to, you know, SHOT Show conferences and things like that, you know, great. Maybe more people would be interested in Bitcoin. And like I said, I'm not anti-Bitcoin. You know, I, I think Bitcoin just doesn't do what we needed to do on the retail side. Um, maybe there'll be some third-party options with the Lightning Network and stuff like that. But so far, those haven't manifested. Um, and they're certainly not easy to use, um, the ones that have. All right. So uh, Swamp Dog Armory, he's interested in joining your retailer program. So I'll get you in contact with him. Perfect. Uh, and uh, G-Webs, I have a question. He says, on approval, could you give the funds almost and when you get the mail? Um, when you get the item in the mail, then approve the funds. So you send it over, but you don't approve it until you actually get the item. So, like so that's, that was what I was mentioning earlier is that, that would yeah. be like an escrow feature. So that is something we definitely would like to do. Um, we got some other features we need to put in first, but that would probably be something if we got enough demands, like everything else, we have limited resources. Um, but I would say if that's, I would like to tackle that next year, maybe late next year. Um, again, you can put all the features in Bene, you know, all the features in into a blockchain, but if no one's using it, it doesn't matter. And I think right. a lot of, and I think that's the problem with a lot of developer led projects or engineer led projects. It's all about putting widgets in and features and, and things like that. But at some point you got to get customers and you got to get people using it. And so, you know, we, we try to strike a balance. We want to have, you know, a viable product that works and then we start getting out there and getting people to use it. Um, and that creates that insurance policy because the more people use it, the more robust the network comes. Um, and then as we grow, we have more resources and then we can start adding all the kitchen sink in. But we're trying to do things in a certain sequence because that just makes more sense for us to get it out there. Or we could sit there and wait two more years and just try to add more stuff in, right? But at some point you got to get people using it. And, and at this point, we're getting to that point where we'll be ready to start onboarding retailers in mass, you know, beginning of next year. And so we're trying to focus on that right now. And that's why I'm coming on, you know, awesome podcasts and shows like this. Yeah. Uh, Rogue Banshee missed how to mind it, mind it. And apparently some, it went over some people's heads when you're talking about mining. Can you break it down a little bit easier for the people out there? So, so how, how, all right. So think of it this way. How does value come into creation? So if look at gold, okay. If you think of gold, um, there's a cost to extract it. There's a cost to find it. There's a cost to mine it. There's a cost to refine it. Those costs in part imbue into gold its value and its scarcity. Um, well, money's, you know, has to have a cost as well. Um, if you think about it. So in this case, so look at fiat currencies or dollars, like paper money. We call it fiat currency. Um, there's a cost to making and managing a fiat currency like the US dollar. Someone's got to make engraving plates. Someone needs to go buy paper. Someone needs to print the paper. Someone needs to move it around. Someone needs to put those little strips in that you don't want to microwave. You know, um, somebody's got to take the old bills and tear them up and put in new bills. And, and, and someone needs to manage all that. Someone needs to move it around. You need trucks, you need forklifts. So if you think about it, it costs millions of dollars a year in pretty much every country that has its own, you know, currency, their own paper right. currency, it costs them millions of dollars a year. Well, where's that millions of dollars come from? Well, those millions of dollars that come from to, to manage paper currency comes from taxpayers typically. So, but with cryptocurrency, um, there's costs too. Someone needs to set up a, uh, someone needs to set up a, the computers in the network. Someone needs to get out there and market it and get people using it. Um, and so what happens is there's a thing called block rewards. So as the computers that basically are set up to run the network, they run calculations and run pro basically create what we call blocks. And every time those blocks are created, um, they, there's rewards of more tusk that happen. So every time a certain number of batches of transactions goes across the network, they go in this little box called a block and it goes around the network. And then everybody who 
actually creates those blocks. The We call them block producers. They get a certain number of tusks. I think right now, for every block that's produced, 238 new tusks are created. I think that's the number, 237 point something, something, something. Um, and so the block producers share those rewards, and that's how the, the block producers, the miners on Tusk, get paid to operate the servers. So there's an incentive for them to run those servers because I can't tax you, for instance, to go run our cryptocurrency. I don't have the power to tax you. No one has the power to tax you to run a cryptocurrency. So um, the, the incentive to run the network is, and those blocks and the payments to run the network are built into the network itself, so it's self-sustainable. Okay, now... Let's say the rogue banshee wants to become a block producer. How does he do that? So in our network, you have to be elected to the position. Yeah, and so that. in our network, so yeah, this I, is where is it two seventy to win? No, no. Apparently, it only is about two fourteen to win. Apparently. Oh, oh boy! Shots fired right there. So. <laughs> uh, but that's a different discussion. Um, so, but no, so in our network, um, block producers are elected. So what you have to do is the, you have to set up a server. You have to elect to be uh, basically put your hat in the ring and then you got to get to know people in the community and then people will vote for you. And so a lot of us look, so I independently run my own block producer for the Tusk network. That's how I get paid. Um, besides I love this stuff and I've been working on it for three years, but that's how I'm going to eventually get paid um, is from running a block producer node because they, they do make money. Um, and, but anybody can put in for that and setting up the server. We have documentation that can, you know, you can easily set up a server. My wife, I don't even know how to set up the block producer. My wife handles that. She can set one up in about seven minutes right now. Um, she's really good at it. Um, but I would say uh, it, you, the most important way to get and become, get the votes to to be a block producer is to get into the community and get involved and get people to know you. Um, so for instance, the, in, in how you contribute to the network. So someone on his own built a tip bot for one of our, one of our chat groups where people can just tip other people tusk. Well, he did that on his own and that's, he's also runs a block producer. So when he says, Hey, I'm running so-and-so block producer vote for me, vote for me because these are the things that I do for the community. And if you, um, I actually have a whole website set up to, to basically be political campaign website for my block producer. Um, and so with the delegated proof of stake, and one of the reasons we went with that consensus algorithm essentially is because it's the closest to what we have in government now in the United States, which is a republic. You know, you elect and vote for congressmen and senators and things to, you know, then vote on laws and regulations. Um, and we have that in our community as well. So people can recognize that because they're kind of already familiar with that kind of system. Um, and so there's a committee that people can vote on to have, you know, you can get on a committee um, and they're the ones that vote on, you know, how they want to change parameters for the network and, and things like that. So there is a committee that, you know, decides some of those things, but they're elected to that position, just like our government is. Okay, you had a really good question here uh, down the barrel asked, what backs crypto and what stops hackers from just making it? Yeah, so, all right, so I, I will go as far as I know because I am not a developer. Um, so as far as hackers, uh, right now we do have a robust system and everything is absolutely encrypted. So even though, so everything's encrypted, but on top of that, it's hard for our network to get attacked because the delegated part is that you have to get elected to those positions. So you can't just set up a miner and then start doing, you know, making, you know, your own blocks and things okay, like I, that. Okay, I think you're going a little too technical. I think what okay. he's saying is like, how do I know my transaction isn't going to get hacked? I don't think he's going into that deep. That it's basically... Um, First off, there's multiple servers that are authorizing a transaction. Correct. So yeah. it's not just one server. So it's decentralized. Yes. So when a transaction occurs, a quorum of servers have to agree. Yeah, so. all of them do. So it's so so with our network, there's 21 servers, and 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 it's hard to sometimes. I'm not even the best person to explain how blockchains work. There's better people to explain that stuff to, than than I am. But essentially, think of a network like a circle, right? And all these and when a transaction goes around the network, all the 21 main block producers all agree on that transaction, and once it's agreed upon. 
it's made part of the permanent blockchain record that can, is viewable by anybody. And so, but in our network, which is different because there's different types of blockchains out there. Like I said, we're delegated proof of stake. So we have a lot of base level encryption and how you're managing your keys for your wallet and all that stuff. So it's, it's, it's at this point, it's unbreakable encryption, but in the future, things will change because, you know, over time things, you know, and, you know, improve and then we'll improve our security and that's kind of how it works. But with all these different kind of, you know, crypto projects, but being elected to the position, it's really hard because you can't even get into a position on the network without being elected to that. And you need to be voted in. And that's very hard to do um, if you're not part of the community already. So there's like, there's a reputation in the community. And, you know, I've been in our chat group for, in our different boards for three years, every single day. I, I have a, I have a good relationship with all the people that I know that are running the network. I mean, some of them I don't know personally, but I've been talking to them for three years online and we know who they are essentially. And about half the block producers I do know personally, um, either because I've talked to them on the phone, even though there might be in other countries, we've done Zoom calls and we have, you know, meetings and stuff. So we have a good relationship with people in the network. So if someone just came out of the blue and we don't know who they are, you know, and then they start doing dodgy stuff, well, you know, they can get voted out. You know, they have to get voted in first and then, but they can easily be voted out. And if someone was, you know, trying to be a bad actor, you know, that's not hard to do. Um, but with blockchains, it's not one computer that creates all these things. You have to have a consensus among all the block producers before a transaction is confirmed and made permanent. And so that's a feature of blockchains and it's a redundancy. Um, and that's one of the reasons blockchains are secure. Yeah. Uh, okay. Can you explain why there's value in your in Tusk? So value is interesting. A lot of people uh, think that there's a thing called intrinsic value. And a lot of us uh, don't believe that there is any such thing called intrinsic value. Value, all value is subjective. Meaning that, you know, if you're, you know, you're, let's just say you're in the desert and someone comes at you with like a cooler full of ice water, how much are you willing to pay for that water? Now, if you're sitting on the Great Lakes and you're in the middle of Lake Superior, you know, how much is a val how much is a glass of water worth to you in that situation? Um, and so ultimately the value changes depending on your circumstances. Right. And, and so crypto, like anything else, a lot of value, all value is subjective, but a lot of value is informed by, you know, how useful or practical something is and also how scarce something is. And so uh, I think how we're creating value with the network is creating a system um, that makes it easy to transact and transfer value. And there's value in that because we're taking mm -hmm. out friction and we're also creating an insurance policy. Um, you know, what, what, why is Bitcoin worth hundreds of billions of dollars? The Bitcoin network worth hundreds of billions of dollars today, because a lot of people believe it's worth that much. That's it. Right. Right. It's same thing with stocks. Why, why do we believe Apple is worth, you know, how many hundreds of billions or a trillion dollars in their market cap? Because a lot of people believe that it has value. Um, but ultimately right. that can change. Um, but Apple's but a little different, uh, because Apple is one of those things, um, like if you buy its stock, it's increased in value. Also, it helps people do things. And uh, I was going to kind of, you know, throw in De Beers. Like De Beers is basically ensuring that not so many diamonds get out there because diamonds are basically useless and worthless. They but it had a marketing, they yeah, it had a marketing supply. campaign that you need this to get married. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, choke the supply and that's how they drive the price up where you can create diamonds very cost of cost effect. Right. Hey, so sorry, I'm back. But, sorry. That was, that was Cody Wilson. Um, oh, tell him hi. Um, uh, yeah. I told him I call him back. I, 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 I'm talking to him about uh, something uh, for an upcoming thing. I'm um, yeah. If, if you ever get a something from Cody and want me to test it out, I'm happy to test that something. Yeah, no, no, I just don't want to call him back. <laughs> just don't, just don't take dating advice from him. Oh, you know, he watches the show, right? I know. I'm just giving him shit. <laughs> um, but, uh, but see, <laughs> oh man, I just made a real big enemy, didn't I? Um, but, but seriously though, I think, um, Value is created by usefulness and scarcity, typically. 
You know, what problems does it solve? So there's there's thousands of cryptocurrency projects out there. Why is our project, I mean, our market cap, depending on the day, is, you know, worth several million dollars right now. If you took up our whole supply, we're in the millions now. So why is that? Why does that people, why does the general public assign that value to it? Because they buy it at a certain price. And, and that's because they view it as having value and solving problems. And they believe that over time, uh, other people will see that, the, that problem solving, they'll see that uh, that usefulness and they'll see how it's uh, being marketed to a certain community. This solves a really big payments problem. I mean, if you look at the gun industry, I mean, if you look at all the, the different parts of the impact and influence the gun industry, it's like a $50 billion industry, depending. I mean, that's, I think that's what the National Shooting Sports Foundation's numbers look like. So, I mean, if we could solve a small problem in the $50 billion industry or, or a big problem for a small number of people in that industry, um, that's still huge. I mean, if we had even a half percent of those transactions running through our network, we would probably be the biggest uh, cryptocurrency project payment project out there running through our network in the world. And so right now you have cryptocurrency projects that people are speculating on and it pushed the price up into the billions of dollars worth of market cap and they don't have a single customer and no yeah. one's buying anything with their projects. Well, it, and what happens to our project at that point, if we actually get, a lot of transaction volume going through because we are actively marketing and solving a problem in an industry. I think that will absolutely change the way people view us. Um, and I think that, you know, that will make our potential for going up in value over time. Now I'm the worst person to hype price and hype investment. Cause I don't, that's not my focus. I'm not trying to create digital gold. I'm trying to solve a problem, a payments problem in the gun industry. And so if, if that results in people making money from an investment, you know, purchasing tusk, Great, but that isn't my focus. My focus is solving a problem. And I think because we're focused on solving a problem that makes us more useful, I do think that makes us more viable long-term. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, how can people get your product? So I'd love to sell people Tusk, but I can't. Um, you have to buy it from people on exchanges. We are currently traded on seven different exchanges um, and we're always working on adding more. So there are seven exchanges out there that are listed right now. How can they find those exchanges? Easy. You can go to Tusk.network, T-U-S-C.network, <laughs> and there's a list of exchanges right on there. Yeah, okay. That's what I was looking for. They're pretty <laughs> Yeah, um, it, it's, a, it's a really cool project, man. I, I, I will say I hope it works out. Well, I, you know, well, thank you. And, and I do appreciate it. I, and I think, um, you know, I, I think ultimately it comes down to, you know, we're gun people. All The whole team's gun people, except the one guy in Greece. He's not allowed to have guns. But <laughs> but everyone else a shotgun. Maybe. Um, but we're... But we're on the counter there. I mean, we're gun nerds. Like, I mean, I, I love building guns. I got my, my Ender 3 right over here. And, you know, I'm kind of, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I guess the question is, if you, if someone was going to be building a crypto project that might work for your industry, wouldn't you want people that are already big believers in what you do being the ones that help manage it and help grow it. Um, and the great thing is anybody can help out. I mean, if you, and it doesn't matter if you're a developer or not, we have this system. Um, and this is like where we're self, you know, self-sustaining. There's what we call the worker proposal fund. So let's just say you want to market Tusk to people and you want to just do something regionally. You can put in a proposal and we can vote on it and you can get paid in Tusk. And it happens in your wallet instantly. There's no 1099, it's just done on the blockchain. And so, I mean, that's the really cool thing about our thing is um, our network is that we're really designed to be a community project. If you want to do advertising and you want to take Tusk for it, you can put in a proposal and boom, we can vote on it and you can get, we could be a permanent sponsor of this podcast, for instance. You know, I mean, there's lots of interesting things we can do with Tusk. So if you have an idea that, you know, we haven't thought of um, and you want to help do something, you know, put in a proposal, become part of the network and, and part of the community and help grow it. And this is a great thing. It's a, it, this is for the gun world. And so um, we're certainly open and we, one, we certainly need help. I mean, this is like anything else. I mean, everybody on our products got a day job. Uh, and so there's no full-time employees of Tusk. Um, you know, we're all doing this as, as a labor of love and, and, and over time, you know, we think from running block producers and stuff, we'll make some money, but you know, really we're trying 
trying to solve this problem. And I think especially within light of politics today, you know, having that extra insurance policy that, you know, retailers can still, you know, conduct business. Let's get that infrastructure and get people out there using it now because I don't know where things are going to be in two years. You know, and I, I think there's a very real risk of, you know, nationwide debanking going absolutely. on. I, I honestly absolutely uh, ag agree with that. Uh, another question is, this is more of a general question. How do you see crypto being accepted in the future? Um, like not accepted by the community, but I mean, by like retailers, but accepted by society. Um. So I, I'm optimistic and, and I've been around this space for some years and I've already seen a lot more adoption happening. Well, I will tell you this, um, you know, PayPal is now allowing, you know, PayPal and Cash App both allow you to buy crypto. So you tell me huh. um, how, how are things, you know, going there and how is that going to promote things over time into the general population? But I think here's the thing, you know, I think a lot of us that are concerned about all the money printing going on, whether it's under Obama or Trump or, you know, Biden or whoever it ends up being. The fact is, I think a lot of us are concerned about the future of the U.S. dollar, right? I mean, I mean, would they print $6 trillion this year? I mean, something absurd. And they're probably going to do it again, right? You know, beginning of next year again. Um, and so here's the thing. Even if you're using third-party payment options, there's, you know, like, you know, Venmo and PayPal, they're still all denominated in dollars. Well, what happens if dollars go belly up? You know, and, and I'm not saying that's going to happen anytime soon, but all all government currencies tend to go that way at some point. Um, but with us, we're not denominated in dollars. You can get in and out of Tusk from dollars, but we're not denominated in dollars. It's its own thing. And so if the dollar crashes and other people already have this infrastructure and they're used to and they're they're you know already comfortable working with Tusk as a payment option and the dollars go belly up, that does Tusk doesn't go belly up. The dollar will. PayPal will, um, banks will, we won't because we're yeah. not based on banks. An interesting thing with the cash app is you can, uh, stack the sats, you know, yes. which mean a lot of people don't know what the hell that means. It means basically you set it up to buy a certain amount of like Bitcoin every week or whatever. So in Bitcoin, there's a thing called, uh, so they, well, Satoshi Nakamura was the pseudonym of the team that built Bitcoin. Yeah, and they, so so what they've created their own denom their own sub denominations of a Bitcoin. So a whole Bitcoin is worth I don't know right now about thirteen and thirteen or fifteen thousand three hundred thousand three hundred eighty four. Okay, well I got to refresh my coin gecko. But um, but though if you divide a Bitcoin by one hundred million, you get what they call one Satoshi, and think of it like a penny. And so one Satoshi is, you know, the smallest denomination or subdenomination of a Bitcoin. And so when they say stacking sats, that means they're stacking Satoshis or stacking pennies up in Bitcoin parlance. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, so the, with cash apps, you can actually do that, which is very, very cool. We're looking at doing something that with uh, the Hydro Wallet. So that's those are the kinds of things we are looking at doing. Um, and we might actually have a staking option going on there too. So staking um, is this concept where you can uh, put your, you could buy Tusk or other cryptocurrencies and basically put them on hold inside like an app and then actually make interest on that. And so we're looking at doing some options like that as well. So there is going to be potentially an investment opportunity there. Um, but that's again, not my focus. My focus is growing this project and getting people to have some infrastructure for the gun industry outside of us dollars and outside the role of activist middlemen banks. All right. Well, I've been on for an hour and that's the, usually the cutoff time for my podcast. I, I gotta go take care of my kids. I'm going to go around the room. I'm going to do my plugs first and give rich a chance. Um, and everything else. Uh, support me on Patreon, patreon.com slash John Crump. Buy my book at crumpy.com slash giants. My niece has a GoFundMe at crumpy.com. GFM. Uh, for all my stuff. And uh, that is basically it for me. Yeah, there it is. Speaking with giants. Um, and also, oh, Black Swan Tactical. Use code company for ten percent off, uh, or go. Also, you can join GOA at gunowners.org/slash uh, 
black-swan-media, hawaiianhouse.org, use code CRUMPY, Uncle Sam's miscutted.com, use code CRUMPY, 10% off. There you guys go. Uh, that's all my plugs. I'm going to turn it over to Rich. Rich, go ahead and... Uh, uh, yeah. You can find all the social media at flyingrich.com or links to it, but uh, youtube.com slash flyingrich and on Instagram. So flyingrich underscore official. You, you can look, you can look at all the hate that he gets on. <laughs> I saw that man. Oh my God. You got so many well, downloads. That's insane. Did, did you, so uh, Redditors like swarmed my YouTube channel. I had 150,000 views on like a video. I'd normally get a hundred, 400 views on. And they they said some real bad things. Yeah, but every view they got, they gave you money. <laughs> yeah, Reddit's kind of, uh, I don't know. I'm not even going to go there, but I'm not a fan of Reddit. All right, um, Rob, I'm going to give you the final word. Wow, I wish I might tell my wife give me a final word sometimes. Um, so I'm easy to find. Um, so uh, if you're looking for Toss.network, you can uh, check out the project there. Um, we have a lot of chat groups. We have a Discord. We have Telegram. We have Twitter and all the normal socials. And then if you're interested, just following my uh, my podcast or my Twitter. I'm just at Rob McNeely on Parlor on Twitter. You name it. So just my name, first and last name. You can find me everywhere. All right, Hank's been texting me about my article, and like, uh, you know, Cody called me. Uh, some other big names in the firearms industry have already called me about my article. Uh, so apparently, people read my stuff. That's and, good stuff, though. And they and they want me to, and they and they have questions and everything else. And I'm like, dude, I'm on my damn podcast. <laughs> Get this. Okay, airplane, wait, mode, uh, airplane mode. There's a little yeah. button for that. Yeah, well, I I, I can't because I'm uh, the, the certain a certain house might be calling like sometime tonight for well, uh, keep, to well, get keep me in the loop. <laughs> I'm not gonna say what house, but it's not the red house, and it's not the black house, and it's not the green house, and it's not the blue house. So that's why I can't really turn off my phone. But there you oh go. Uh, G-Web learned a lot. Uh, I'm glad that we uh, actually got you on here. Uh, oh, yeah, right. Uh, well, I appreciate it. And uh, I guess you're going to be on with Flying Rich tomorrow with Hank? Is it tomorrow or Thursday? It's I thought tomorrow. it was a Tuesday. And Wednesday. I have it on my calendar for tomorrow. Well, when Hank told me about it, it was tomorrow. I said, you're stealing my guest, man. He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, I got Rob on Tuesday. <laughs> yes, I, I got this. I'm talking. Yes, I'm looking at my invite tomorrow for 6.45 EST, which is 4.45 Mountain, my time. So I go over the Hank Strange Show, Who Moved My Freedom podcast, and watch Rob and Flying Rick tomorrow. I will not be on that show because I'm going to be doing some, some uh, Cub Scout stuff with a bunch of stuff girls and a bunch of seven-year-olds and eight-year-olds so that's gonna be uh, fun all right guys i will see you guys tomorrow i am out of here thank you for watching and uh yeah and uh, okay, here so we go